0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to our first podcast of From the Ground Up. I, I'm Zach. And I'm Tim. We're going to make this work. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. So I'm sorry if I pronounce it wrong, but our first guest is going to be Brendan Alward. Albert. Awesome. Yeah, that's why we wanted to make sure he pronounced it.
1: How about that? You just yeah. pronounced your name. Tell us. Tell our listeners exactly who you
2: are. Yeah, like like Zach said, my name is Brendan Elward. I'm uh, out here in Massachusetts, a small town in Massachusetts, and um, looking forward to sharing some of uh, my experience in, I guess, the adaptive and inclusive fitness world. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, an honor to be the the first guest.
1: Yeah, because you're literally the, like the the first guest, man. You're you're yeah. right in here.
0: So our first question we, we wanted to ask, we wanted to go back to the beginning. We want to know what, what your upbringing is and what brought you into the world of adaptive fitness working with this population.
2: Yeah, uh, when I was 15, I started volunteering with Special Olympics, um, got involved with Best Buddies, another organization uh, that you guys might be familiar with, a more school-based program. Uh, I went to college for special education initially, uh, thought I was going to be a special education teacher about halfway through university is when I came up with the idea of opening a gym for people with and without disabilities. So I spent the last few years of college uh, finishing out my special education degree uh, while getting some various certifications. Uh, worked as a strength and conditioning coach at the high school uh, with some basketball and hockey teams uh, to get some experience working with general population clients as well. I was doing some personal training for a handful of individuals with disabilities. Um, at various gyms and at their homes, uh, just as I kind of wrapped up my degree, and uh, 2016, so a year after I graduated, is when I opened my facility. Uh, kind of bootstrapped it with a, a small investment of money I saved up from working through college. Uh, started with a small 2,000 square foot facility, uh, and then six years later, um, so this past summer, I uh, bought a new building for us to move to. Uh, so now we. Um, we have a building out here in Lancaster, Mass., um, that includes a physical therapy clinic, a strength and conditioning facility, a research lab uh, where we conduct research on cerebral palsy and Down syndrome. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, so it's kind of how it transpired from uh, an idea into, uh, into a pledge business.
1: If you don't mind uh, me asking, how old are you?
2: I just turned 30 a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday. (laughs) Thanks. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. Oh, wow. So you really have been doing this for a while. Yeah, I
2: guess I mean, but I think through high school and college, I was pretty set on some portion of my career revolving around inclusion. Um, Ended up not necessarily wanting to be in the classroom, but wanting to find a way to stay involved with the population. something I really enjoyed I mean I think um you'll get a lot of praise and people think that it's noble to work with people with disabilities to me it was always like it was just the population I enjoyed working with so some gyms want to train professional athletes some gyms want to train general pop I just found myself really enjoying working with all populations but especially those disabilities for for no noble reason just what I enjoyed doing I enjoyed the challenge of coming up with solutions to their training problems and um yeah so now we uh jim's grown well and um now i also run a non-profit adaptx um that trains other fitness professionals on how yeah to work i love the name abilities.
1: adaptx that's that is really yeah. cool i think that's yeah
2: so i we've think been it hits teaching, the
1: nail right on the head
2: <laughs> oh yeah we've been teaching that course uh to people around the country uh, uh on how to work with Various disabilities and kind of create more inclusive fitness facilities. I know Zach, you took the the AIT course, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't would,
1: know if uh you know, but we're we're actually both disabled, so mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting uh way of looking at this whole thing. We're yeah. kind of looking at it from the same you know mind.
2: Yeah, and I I would like to see what I do become more of like the expectation than the exception. Um, I think gyms should probably um, make the necessary steps to be more inclusive. So that's kind of where AdaptX is, was like the second company I started. And that was more so to help other facilities be more accessible and inclusive. So uh, we've worked with a few hundred coaches over the last year, uh, universities, gyms, personal trainers around the country. Um, that's kind of, that's now my, I would say my main endeavor is working on that educational piece of things uh, so I can kind of branch out and have a wider impact than just Massachusetts
0: so then you you bring adapt uh, adapt x into other gyms and then they're kind of taking on your program making their gyms more accessible and able to reach that specific clientele
2: yeah so it's we work with YMCA's uh like university rec centers uh just to educate their trainers on how to work with various disabilities um, identify specific accessibility barriers that might be getting in the way um, and how they can kind of redesign some of their programming to make it more accessible for all populations. So uh, the course itself, I guess you could consider a certification, uh, you can become an adaptive, just an adaptive fitness trainer, but um, I guess that title doesn't really mean much until it's a more recognizable name. Um, but for now it's, it's kind of just a continuing education option for personal trainers. They can get CEUs, uh, if they have like an ACE or an ASM or an NSE Acer, uh, the approved for CEUs for that, but I kind of view it as just becoming a part of a community of people, uh, that all want to see the industry be more inclusive. So, um, we have monthly presentations where all of our coaches sign on and can interact with each other and to guest presenters. So, uh, I think it's been good
0: wow projects what so how how exactly did this might be a very loaded question but how maybe not exactly but how did you go about setting up the the educational aspect how do you know how did you know what to what to include did you work with educators or other people in the space how did you set up that that ability for people to learn
2: yeah, I guess having the education degree uh, was useful in that regard, but what the course kind of just started more so as my personal, um, like, research and my own personal learning, and then is I just kind of, like, there, there's not a whole lot of good educational resources on fitness and inclusion and disability, so, or at least there wasn't. Agreed. Yeah, at least Definitely there was Yeah, at least there wasn't four or five years ago when I, like, started kind of molding this path for myself. So I basically just started making my own. So I would research down syndrome, research the anatomy behavior and the cognition of the disability, figure out how to apply it to a fitness environment, make a presentation about it. And I just kind of kept stacking these presentations. Uh, the course has gone through several iterations as we've identified things that could be improved, things that could be changed. Um, but yeah, it just kind of started as a way of me learning Ended up being an onboarding course for my interns and my coaches to kind of introduce them to some of our principles, and then it got to the point where it was significant enough that we could share it with other people. Um, so that was kind of like the stepwise uh, experience of the course development as well.
1: I mean, just to give you, just to give you a background on us, he's actually one of my trainers. Like, he's yep. literally one of my trainers. <laughs> he's been one of my trainers for some years now. And we're still, you know, we're still learning and, you know, still trying to figure out what makes it, you know, best for me. And he trains as well. So we're trying to figure out what makes it best for both of us, you know, to make this easier, make this life easier, moving around, grooving around, trying to just make it easier for us to Make this life is hard, ho- you know. Make it as easy as possible, you
2: know. Yeah, Zach, did I see you have hereditary spastic paraplegia? Yep,
0: that's me. Yeah, I
2: have two. I have two clients with that.
0: Really, get out of here.
2: Yeah, who like I remember a long time ago, and I texted Owen last night. I was like, "Didn't you tell me that you only know of like a few people in the world with this?" And he was like, "Yeah, like I've only met like a couple other people that have the diagnosis." So him and his younger brother both have it. Uh, they've both trained with me for the last six years. So. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So I might,
2: yeah, might right. have to introduce <laughs> you to, yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, so I a little a little about me. Like I started interning. For, nice. Yeah,
1: that would be cool. That that would be great.
0: Yeah. So I started. I started interning for for the company that he was a participant of just because I knew I always wanted to work with people who had disabilities, but I wasn't really sure what scene. So, I mean, the second we started and the second I got there, it was over. It was a wrap. I knew exactly. That's what I wanted to be doing. And especially it's hard having a disability and being able to have a common ground with able-bodied individuals in terms of like what our bodies feel. So it was, I'd say something and, and it'd be as little as, Oh my God, I know what you mean from, from Tim. And I'd be like, I'd have people who also understood where I was at. And I say this because everything you're saying is exactly what I envisioned in myself. And I always, I always thought I was alone in thinking this, but it's just so crazy. And it feels so good to know that there's a space for it. And there's people, there's more people than I thought who, who, who care about this and and really want to make a change
2: i think like for me personally the inclusive nature of my gym has been like essential for its growth um i think some people view inclusion as like reserved for charities or just for like volunteer work whereas my gym's a a regular for-profit fitness facility we can subsidize the memberships for some of the athletes who are unable to pay um if we have someone with a disability that is has their financial situation compromised because they can't work as much etc and we can subsidize that membership by all of our other clients that are able to pay for it so we have a couple hundred members about a quarter of which have disabilities Uh, and then we train high school athletes collegiate athletes general pop adults but like that we got it to the point where kind of run a semi-private model so whether you have a disability or not you can train at any time so I think a lot of times we see gyms maybe say that they're inclusive, but they'll offer like an adaptive program once a week or something. And like for Tim or for you, like if you want to accomplish a specific fitness goal, like training once a week for like an eight week program might not get it done. Like you need opportunities to train consistently like everyone else. So um, so we're trying Agreed. to figure out like we, we just try to build a system. Where whether you have a disability or not, you can access the facility in the same way. Uh, so hopefully, other gyms will follow suit in that regard.
0: Did you did you find that physically setting up your gym there were there were things you had to do differently? If you say you you were setting up a gym without thinking about the wheelchair accessibility, did you find a lot of differences in say where you where you placed equipment the setup? And anything down to, to the entrance of the building? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, working with a couple of our coaches now on facility design, usually tell, at least in my opinion, open floor space is more important than adding more pieces of equipment. So like in my facility, we don't have all the machines and endless treadmills and endless ellipticals that you would see at like a commercial gym. We have, Couple treadmills, we have a few air dine bikes, we have some free weights, and then just open space. And that open space, it's do you work with
1: with people? Do you work with people who like don't stand up or or that are wheelchair bound, or how does that work? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We have a we have a handful of uh, athletes who either use uh manual wheelchairs or they use lost train crutches, these like posterior walkers. Um, and I mean we we just develop training strategies for them to to train alongside their peers. And with our manual wheelchair users focusing more on their shoulder health and their mobility um, and making sure they're healthy so that they aren't compromised in terms of what they can do on a day-to-day basis. Um, Uh, The, the facility design, I think the open floor plan also helps you become more ADA compliance because it gives more space for wheelchairs to navigate when I was renovating this building that we bought over the summer. um, It gave me kind of like a fresh start to make sure the entrances are accessible, they have like the automatic opening buttons. Um, it just gave me kind of a a fresh start as opposed to renting a a building we were in beforehand that definitely had some accessibility limitations Uh, but we we made that work like I think most people if your intentions are good they and you're able to kind of help them navigate the environment like they'll understand if there's some small accessibility barriers physical accessibility barriers Um, I think a lot of times like the cognitive and the emotional and the Societal barriers are just as significant as the physical. Um, So we can address that by building an inclusive community and making them feel Uh, welcome. That's kind of what we were focusing on.
1: I always have problems with, like, comfortability when it comes to equipment. Have you found a way of, of dealing with that? Or yeah. do you just bring it down to
2: them? Um, I think with like any clients, whether they use a wheelchair or not, we kind of go through an informal assessment process of like figuring out what they can and can't do. Um, so like if some of our wheelchair users stay in their chair for essentially the entirety of the workout, some of them are able to easily transfer in and out of their chair. That gives us kind of a wider trainable menu of what exercises we can uh like incorporate into their programming. But um, I think like if an exercise is uncomfortable for you, there's always other options. Uh, I think the most important thing is that like, you're choosing the exercise that accomplishes the goal. So for a lot of our manual wheelchair users, they're trying to improve their body composition. They're trying to improve their cardiovascular health. There's a lot of ways that we can do that. Um, And if one exercise doesn't work, we're just gonna come up with a creative solution to do something else that's adjacent, that still kind of allows you to accomplish that goal. So um, whether you're able-bodied or not, like there's going to be exercises that are challenging and there's going to be exercises that are uncomfortable and you just kind of come up with solutions for that. Yeah, that's a
1: given. I mean, life is uncomfortable. I mean, that's a given for everybody. You know what I mean? Whether you have a disability or not. So figuring out your way of doing things is, is the best way of life.
0: Have you have you found there to be a favorite cardiovascular exercise for people in wheelchairs like something that that a lot of people I don't maybe I don't know maybe enjoyable but yeah
2: uh, we use uh, the concept Two line of equipment so like we use ears. Um not sure if you're familiar with that but uh, that replicates kind of the wheelchair propulsion mechanics pretty well as uh, additionally so that's a good option for them. Uh, the rowing machines can be uh, separated in half so you can take take apart a rowing machine at the stem and a wheelchair user can roll right up to it uh, so rowing machines are good um, for that as well. Yeah, and, i
1: haven't used that before
2: yeah yeah actually. I think it's a I think it's a good option uh, and then just a variety of medicine ball slams throws some of our wheelchair users can even transfer uh, from their chair to pushing like a prowler sled uh, if you can envision a sled that has two high handles and kind of holding onto that actually assists their balance and they some of them are able to walk with the sled um, and because there's weight on the sled it provides a strength stimulus a cardio stimulus and it also helps them with their balance so uh, yeah, I think skier, rowing machines, uh, sleds, those tend to be what we have, like, some hand bikes as well um, that some of the individuals will use, too, but I think skier and rowing gets, gets the heart rate up the highest. That's awesome.
0: What would you say that ADAPT's X mission is? What, what's your philosophy? Yeah. Yeah, to create more opportunities
2: for people with disabilities to train is... The overarching principle and kind of the way we did that was less so by putting out information for those individuals with disabilities themselves because I think a lot of organizations try to cater exclusively to the athlete without addressing some of the more societal and kind of higher up issues which is facilities not being equipped to support the athletes so instead of just giving you the tools to go train on your own if you have a disability, we're going to uh, address the coaches in your area that can support you because everyone benefits from having a coach, but not all coaches are equipped to work with disabilities or they're not, it's not even being equipped. It's sometimes just being comfortable um, and like giving them the permission to like work with this population. I think a lot of people think it's reserved for like physical therapy, um, but physical therapy is like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be in PT forever because there's kind of like a rehabilitation. There's kind of like a recovery connotation to PT. Like I would want to be in a gym with my peers uh, training and trying to improve specific qualities. So um, Mission of AdaptX. I
1: mean, in a perfect world, I would want both. But
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I think a good a good coach can address some of the qualities that PT can as well. Uh, but the, the mission of Adaptex is to create more inclusive training environments around the country so people with disabilities can help healthier lives.
0: I really love that. I really love that mission. It probably if I if I was a regular at Yeah, AdaptX, so do I. I mean and your gym, I it would make me feel very empowered knowing that there's a whole community for me out there. Or right here, right, right in my hometown, what gym uh, do you currently work out at? So when I was in Delaware, well, I'm at the YMCA in Delaware, over at, at, at the YMCA with him. That's where our, our whole setup was. Right now. I moved over to Florida, and I'm just in a little family-owned gym, but we we were working over at the YMCA through another um, through another adaptive fitness kind of disability program it's actually called Epic, called Epic. okay. And the possibilities in the community. Yeah, we we have a chapter out here in Worcester, which is a couple towns over from Lancaster for
2: Epic.
0: Oh wow.
2: Yeah, I think it's a nationwide because it must be a nationwide organization.
0: So how did you how did you go about sending out information and letting the people letting the adaptive population know that that you were here?
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that's uh, sometimes tough to articulate to the to the coaches. Um, I had the unique advantage of running special Olympic programs for 10 or 12 years before I opened my gym. So that kind of exposed me to, we had 75, 80 athletes with disabilities that were doing sports with us year round. So I already was kind of like immersed within my community, was kind of already Known as someone that was facil- uh, facilitating opportunities for adaptive athletes. So uh, that was a, a distinct advantage. Outside of that, partnering with local organizations that support the same clientele. Um, so, like you said, you started working with the organization that was supporting Tim. Um, when we work with YMCAs, we suggest that they reach out to the local, like Minuteman ARCs and those organizations, Easter SEALs that support the clientele you're trying to serve. And oftentimes, they're going to the wise, but they're just walking on a treadmill or they're not really receiving guidance. Um, At least that's what is articulated to me. So preparing these coaches to better, better work with the clients allows them to have a better workout when they're on site. So um, yeah, just partnering with similar organizations, being immersed within other uh, volunteer opportunities for um, individuals with disabilities like Special Olympics and Best Buddies was important
0: for the
2: growth of my gym, at least.
0: So there's something when I started. I wish I
1: can check out your program. <laughs> I would love to check out your program uh, in person. Yeah. I well hopefully we'll get someone in Delaware pretty soon. Yeah. Maybe
2: they can uh maybe they can help you up. There was
0: there's something I noticed about Yeah, I'd like to see how everything works out. Oh, totally. About Epic's program that I don't know if you've noticed, and I'd curious to, to understand your, your opinion. I feel like, and I love Epic, I love what they're doing, but a lot of it, to me, felt like it was an adult daycare kind of thing. And I get everybody has specific abilities, but I feel like what's different at Space is everybody's there for the specific goal of getting better, whatever. In a lot of other or some other programs, like you were saying, it's kind of just like they're on the treadmill, not with no guidance. And i would curious to know what your feelings are behind that. And if, if you've noticed something similar.
2: Yeah, I think uh, what's different maybe um, with how I approach it is I, I think we just hold our athletes to higher expectations. Uh, I think a lot of people just assume that um, because someone has a disability, they aren't able to accomplish as much or they aren't able to be pushed as hard. Um, so and that narrative, kind of makes working with the population less appealing. Like sometimes I'll see uh, like individuals with disabilities, like white coaches, um, just really under training the population and then using their disability as an excuse for that. Um, And I think that just kind of perpetuates like the narratives that people with disabilities can't do as much. Uh, So we, I think the difference with how we approach it and it's kind of what we want to pick with our like uh, social media presence and all that stuff is that when the environment is set up in the right way and the programming is delivered in the right way, um, using like universal design principles, uh, using good adaptive fitness strategies, uh, individuals with disabilities, their workouts can look a lot sim- more similar than different. Um, so I think it's just uh, holding people to a high standard and uh, coming up with the, the right solutions for the individual.
0: I completely agree with that. And I love how you say that because when I was interning with, with Epic, what, what Tim and our, uh, another friend we were working with were doing was just moving absurd amount of absurd, absurd amounts of weight. He was pulling 700 pounds on a sled and he, and he was in a wheelchair. Tim, Tim would, would do crazy full push, pull leg, leg workouts, and I held them to, to a standard in which I, in which I completely agree that, that you're doing and the level of workout that we had from Tim and our, our other friend to the other participants were completely different. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I, I love that just knowing how, how no matter what you have, there's just a high standard you can be held to period. And
2: I think, like, if you want more strength and conditioning coaches and personal trainers to work with this population, like, that's the message that you have to put out. If all they see is, like, Special Olympics, like, cheering for the kid who's walking around the track, like, that might not appeal to them. But if you see one of my athletes with Down syndrome back squatting 225 and you see, like, our athletes transferring out of their wheelchair and they're pushing a sled, like, that is probably going to get someone more interested in working with these populations and thinking like, oh, maybe they can work out in my gym. So I think the the, the education and the exposure just isn't really there for a lot of people. Um, I don't think it's bad intentions why most gyms don't support individuals with disabilities. I think they just haven't been exposed to the population and they're not sure how to even start. So um, education and exposure, I think, are kind of the keys to making the industry more inclusive hopefully
0: so i was going to i was going to ask you a question i have you have you ever encountered clients who or i mean trainers who are i don't i don't know if scared is the right a, a word but unwilling to train clients who have disabilities maybe because they're scared or they have a certain bias and if if yes do you think what you just said before is the answer
2: Yeah, uh, so I think when we do our like free and post course survey for people that take our course, um, some of the reflections are like uh, that they feel, like they feel more confident working with the population. And that's mostly just because they see in our course, they see in the videos that there's more similarities and differences. So I do think the answer is kinda how you promote inclusive and adaptive fitness. Um, It's demonstrating that there are more similarities But I think people, like I said, like might have some hesitations. Um, They might be afraid because I think people like sometimes um, consider like disability and injury synonymous. Like, and they don't want to, they don't want to hurt someone because they have a disability or they think like they're going to make their physical disability worse if they train them in a certain way. So I, I think there's just like some, uh, negative like assumptions that people make about disabilities. And again, it's just because they don't have the education, they don't have the exposure. Uh, so I do think that's the answer.
0: Yeah,
1: that's, that's a good way of looking at it. That's a definite good way of looking at it because you run into a lot of people who are afraid. They seem like they are afraid to work with us you know, work with us. That's why I wanted to do this whole podcast, do this whole talk in the first place to show that people with different disabilities can work together and work together with people that don't have disabilities. We can all work together to, to, to find a common ground. You know, build it from the ground up. That's the point.
0: Do you, do you have any memorable individuals that, that, that you, that you worked with anything from clients in your gym to the special Olympics, anybody who's just, when you think about all the years you worked, is is there one person you, you think about the most or their story or.
2: Yeah, there, there's a lot. So like the first athlete that I worked with uh, when I was in high school. So that was, was well, so that was like, 15 years ago when I started a special Olympics is a member at my gym still. Um, and we were best friends through high school, college, uh, still stay in touch, obviously. Um, and then through best buddies, like the kid that I was paired with, um, has down syndrome and autism and he lives with my wife and I on the weekends now. So I've taken care of him every weekend since, uh, I was 19. So, uh, I would say those two are kind of the ones that, most significantly influenced my career uh and they're still
1: oh wow uh, that's, that's great
2: yeah they're still a large part of my life so jacob and i race for team weight together so to run marathons i uh, push him in the wheelchairs um yeah so i would say those two two athletes and like i mentioned the kid with spastic uh, paraplegia uh who was one of my first members like he was gearing up to hand cycle from into florida uh, over the course of the summer. So that's when we first started training. Um, so he did that over the course of a few months and then he went on to the university of Arizona to play wheelchair tennis. Um, so he was kind of one that was, he, I guess he, he changed my perspective of what like high performance for someone with a disability looked like. Um, and it was really fun to push him and see like he would end workouts, like absolutely drained. And I just loved that. Um, he didn't let anything slow him down. So, uh, those three people probably
1: stand out the most. That's the kind of person I consider myself. I try to leave everything on the floor. You know what I mean? Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's really nice being able to build to build relationships like that, especially when it's with a population so many people are scared to work with. It's 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 almost like a breath of fresh air to see that to to just know that there's people who who want to go through and build these people up, have 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 relationships with everybody and just to be as as inclusive as possible. So I wanted, I wanted to ask in the beginning, what what brought the switch from special education in, in the classroom to then just only staying on track with adaptive fitness and strength and conditioning?
2: Yeah, I think it was combining a love of fitness and inclusion. Um, so obviously being in a classroom setting wouldn't really permit me to, uh, explore that like fitness lens. Uh, and I think also like, uh, I wouldn't say I was getting frustrated, but sometimes with special education, it's, it's so rigid, um, like the therapeutical, uh, like therapeutic interventions are kind of so rigid and, um, I wasn't, particularly fond of, of that structure to a degree. Um, it seemed like kind of monotonous and robotic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just wanted a little more freedom to, um, like you said, the relationships that I've been able to develop with the athletes is, uh, like the most rewarding part of my work as a whole. So whether they have a disability or not, um, the relationship building, I think is, is the best part of owning a gym. Um, and yeah, so I think it was just, freedom, felt like I could do something unique at the time. So seven-ish years ago, there wasn't really a model for like an inclusive strength and conditioning facility to follow. Uh, So it kind of gave me the opportunity to just take on something that was kind of scary, but that was a good learning experience. Um, And now putting it into a curriculum that other people can hopefully follow.
0: Say, say I was somebody who who was thinking about uh, starting their own their own adaptive adaptive fitness gym or program? Where what would you say the the first steps would be? Where where would you how would you say or where would you want to get started?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have that conversation with you and kind of help you through that if you want. Um, That'd be awesome. It would probably be a loaded discussion to have on this, but I think the the most important things is finding a good spot that's central to a community of people that you're immersed in. So um, if you're in a new location and you don't have uh, a specific network in your area, then you might want to try to pinpoint where these organizations that support individuals with disabilities are. Uh, But I think you can't quite nail down like that as your only niche. I think you do have to be well-rounded and also look to train uh, other populations. Because, Like I said, sometimes are training neurotypical adults, our training like athletes, some of that stuff allows us some financial flexibility to assist people that aren't able to uh, pay for training. So I think a, a successful business can't only train people with disabilities. And that's also not really a fully inclusive environment if you're again just isolating people with disabilities into setting where it's only people with disabilities and you don't really have that exposure to other populations as well so i think an authentically inclusive fitness center trains all populations so um but yeah if if it's something you're interested in i'm working with a couple of our adaptx coaches now on like kind of facility layout how much capital they'll need to get started uh, what steps you need to take to get started establishing an llc all that stuff Uh, so we'd love to help you navigate that if you're interested
0: yeah, I mean pretty pretty recently that that became my goal. And I started loading up this notebook with with all different ideas and how I want to lay my to lay my concepts out. So I would add that would be that would be fantastic. I would love to be able to learn as much as possible. Yeah, let's get it done. Awesome. So that was that was a lot of a lot of information that covered a lot of what we wanted to know. So next thing I wanted I, I want to ask you is. What's next? Is there anything you're working on? Is there a final message you want to leave everybody with? Uh, yeah,
2: the, I guess the, the thing I'm working on now is uh, disseminating like our Adaptex course to as many people as possible. Um, so I have my gym, which is Unified Health and Performance, and then Adaptex, which is our educational company. And the two kind of go hand in hand. Like I would love if I connect with someone like you to want to open more facilities like Unified. Um, So not necessarily like a franchise, but I would like to see more gyms similar to mine. Uh, So that's kind of the the main thing I'm working on now. I view AdaptX as a way to introduce me to fitness professionals like myself, and then hopefully I can help them start their own facility if that's something they're interested in, kind of show them how I run my gym um, and maybe they can have a similar. positive experience I can kind of guide them through that process. So yeah, thing I'm working on now, just reaching as many people as possible with our course. Um and hopefully seeing more gyms like mine pop up.
0: You know, now that now that I'm thinking about it, it might all it might almost be, be a good idea to make one central hub for for people like me and you. Say even anything from a Facebook group or a Facebook, yeah, a Facebook group or say like a whole app i think it would be it, it would be crazy having hundreds to thousands of people who think who who think like this in this realm of in this realm of space together to talk to, to talk through ideas i mean i can't even imagine the things that would that would get done if that was if that was yeah here. that's that's what we're
2: trying to build out with like the adaptx community is is people that are trying to take that leap from maybe being a personal trainer in a facility to opening their own space, or maybe they work in a facility and they see some of the accessibility barriers um, present and they want to address those. So that's kind of what we're trying to build out with our, with our course of um, our community. Yeah, he,
0: you know, today I went for a couple of personal training interviews just because what I'm doing now is a little different. And I realized I still really want to stay in the game of personal training and, and working out with people who, who have different disabilities. And I was there today and I was just thinking things that I would do to make the gym different or how I could possibly reach out to these new individuals. That's that's exactly where I'm at right now. Yeah,
2: yeah. we'll, we'll have to uh, continue the conversation offline then. I got to hop into uh, some afternoon sessions here, but uh it's great chatting with you guys Tim nice to meet you man
1: thanks thanks uh, for coming on yeah. want to and where, it's great where to where meet people. you too
0: I I'm gonna follow that Instagram see what's going on Please do sorry Zach what were you saying yeah sorry do you want to do you want to say where people could 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 reach you on
2: sure yeah um so adaptx on Instagram is under adaptex.coach uh so adapt and the letter x.coach and then my gym's under Unified uh, .hp, so H is in health, is in performance. So uh, Instagram, I know, it can get you to our websites and our other uh, platforms as well, but um, the mix, uh should be the way that you would find all my stuff. So awesome! I appreciate well, the opportunity to share uh, what we're working on, I guess.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and being our first guest. I I, I really do look forward to talking with you soon. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so
2: much.
0: You too.